All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special cooked up for playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge, and it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal every playoff game, you're going to be faced with a handful of questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle, and it's free to join. And there are prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? Daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards. Treat yourself to some nation gear or maybe even your favorite jersey. And for the big dogs, the people who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking about real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the daily face-off playoff parlay challenge. Sign up today and play every game day at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Welcome to the Daily Faceoff Show, your everyday source for the latest news with top-notch insight and analysis, live every weekday at noon Eastern. Welcome into a June 23 edition of the Daily Faceoff Show. Tyler Uremchuk and Chris Gear with you for a little 25-30 minutes of straight hockey talk. And Chris, last night, that game had a little bit of everything. It had some wild bounces, some high-skilled plays when you look at the goal by Victor Hedman, and of course, some controversy. How'd you enjoy Game 4? Yeah, I loved it, Tyler. Um, you know, Game 4 in the books. Game 5 will feature the Stanley Cup in the building, just waiting to be presented. Um, you know, it's too bad it ended in controversy, but that's that's the NHL for you. If you didn't have uh, a call that was questionable, you'd wonder what league you were watching. So kind of crazy. Bang on. Bang on, Chris. And let's start the show with that. Before we put two minutes and 30 seconds up on the clock, let's rewind to last night after the game and the comments made by Lightning head coach John Cooper. I don't know. I, I, uh, I thought we had a really strong first. We had the lead. Um, you know, I love this league. It's, uh, it's the greatest league in the world. The people that run it are amazing. Everything about it. It's, it's like a dream come true for me, especially being a Canadian kid growing up and everything that's gone on. And a lot of times when you're, uh, you know, I've been part of some heartbreaking losses and, and defeats to, to teams that 
that took us out and been with a group that just fights and fights and fights and they fought their way to to a third Stanley Cup final in a row. And in a cap era when when it's so damn hard and the rules are put against you because they you know the, the league wants parity. And I love that about the league. And that's what makes it tougher. And this, just watch this team, what they've gone through and the battling that's gone on. And, and we're all in this together, players, coaches, refs, everybody. But it just, it just this one's, this one's going to sting much more than others just because I think it was taken on, it was potentially, I don't know. I, it's hard for me. This is going to be hard for me to speak. I'm going to have to speak. I'll speak with you tomorrow. You're going to see what I mean when you see the winning goal. And I, my heart breaks for the players because we probably still should be playing. Um, I'll be available tomorrow. Let's throw two minutes and 30 seconds up on the clock and dig into that because I got a handful of takes on this. But let's start with that goal. John Cooper clearly thinks it's too many men. The internet is largely split on this call. I look at the goal, Chris, and... I mean, there's an angle somewhere that could probably show it better than the one we initially saw on the broadcast. But when I watched it in real time, I did not even have a sense that this was too many men. And usually for the penalty to be called, it needs to be, you know, somewhat egregious. And I didn't feel like this was an egregious too many men. I Again, yeah, you could say McKinnon's a foot away from the boards if you're John Cooper and, and maybe a guy jumped on too early. But look at the lightning in their line change. So what would have happened if the play would have continued to go on? And let's say there's a drop pass made to this avalanche player who's in the logo. He goes into the zone, gets a drop pass, and that lightning player coming off the bench stick lifts him. Would John Cooper have been mad if a too many men call was made there? Probably. It was a line change that maybe wasn't executed perfectly to the letter of the law. But I don't think there was enough there to say it's definitively a too many men penalty. What's, what's your thought? Yeah, I think I agree with you, Tyler. I mean, I'm always a big proponent of, of saying at the end of the day, they still could have made the save, right? Or they still could have made the defensive play to prevent that goal. I'm not sure that the, the, the line change actually led to the goal or led to an advantage that, that helped Colorado score the goal. You know, I, I have heard some people say that, that Caudry was the one that jumped on the ice and he's, he's getting the puck in the middle of the ice while McKinnon is, is going in. I'm not sure. I haven't, again, haven't seen the replay to know whether Kadri actually jumped on for McKinnon or whether it was somebody else. But, but I tend to side with you. I just don't think like at, at the moment when Kadri receives the puck, McKinnon is basically at the bench. I don't think he's affecting the play at that point. So, you know, even if technically it should have been a bad call uh, or it should have been, should have been a too many men call, you know, it's kind of hard to say that the game turned on that Colorado was swarming the lightning in overtime. They were clearly the better team in overtime. Um, you know, I think the game was fairly even. Tampa dominated the first period. Uh, but at the end of the day, you know, breaks like this happen. And I understand how John Cooper's feeling, you know, and he's such a smart, measured guy. Like, I'd love to play for a guy like that, that, that wears his heart on his sleeve like that. But pretty tough to, uh, to, to sort of turn the whole game onto that one instance.
Yeah. From a Colorado perspective, does it get any more storybook than the guy who thought he wouldn't get a chance to play again in these Stanley Cup playoffs coming through and being the hero for you? Like you just can't help but smile for a guy like Nazem Kadri. When you even just think about what he would have been going through mentally, you're going on this great run. Your team looks like a cup contender. You're hurt surgery. You think your playoffs are over and then you flash forward a couple of weeks, you're scoring the OT winner to give your team a commanding lead in the cup finals. Wow. It really is. And, you know, kudos to Kadri for working so hard to get back into the lineup and to the Colorado training staff or whatever they did to, to make sure he was ready. I mean, as, as a contracts guy, I'm just looking at that going, oh, big goal for Kadri. Just add another zero to the number he wants in the offseason, right? But, uh, yeah, I mean, especially with the, some of the, the racism and xenophobia he went through in the earlier series, mm-hmm. like just a nice, nice reward for a guy like that to, to be a big part of this win. Let's circle back to Tampa Bay and the other side of those John Cooper comments. I, I watched those live yesterday and before it even got to the point where he was complaining, he, he made the comment, I should say, about the call. Before that, it felt like he was almost eulogizing their run and talking about how much they've been through. And I think a part of that is just, you know, this team, both figuratively and literally, has been limping their way through this Stanley Cup final. Guys going out, they are getting in lanes and blocking shots at an insane clip. They had 34 block shots. And it's not like it's just roll guys. Palat and Stamkos combined for nine of those 34 block shots. These guys, it's the heart of a champion, right? They know what it takes to win. They know they probably don't have as much in the tank as maybe they'd like, but they're doing everything they can to win. And I understand the frustration from Cooper, but I just... Again, it looks like they're out of gas. I'm not sold on them having enough in the tank to beat this Avs team three times. You know, that's such a good point, Tyler. You watch and you see, you know, Chernak leaves the game with an injury. Uh, Sorelli takes a couple of shots and then has the skate across the arm and he's in and out of the, going down the tunnel. Um, Just game in, game out, guys putting their bodies on the line, like you said, and, you know, coming back with valiant efforts. but at some point, these guys have played so much hockey after the last three years. They've got to be just physically and mentally exhausted. And when you lose a heartbreaker like that, um, that could have brought you to 2-2, and instead now you've got a 3-1 to mountain to climb, you know, that's just that, – that could be a backbreaker right there. Um, you know, this is a team that still has so much will and so much heart and so much talent that if anyone's going to come back from 3-1 – it could be them, right? Like we've, we've seen it. We've seen the, we saw the Rangers do it to Pittsburgh this year. We saw yeah. Montreal do it to Toronto last year, albeit not in a Stanley cup final. So if, if there's a team that has the pedigree to do it, it is Tampa, but you know, you're right. They, they just look like they need a break. <laughs> yeah. It's uh, it's the heart of a champion. Like they're getting in lanes, they're sticking to their system. They're doing so many things well, but then on the other side, it's, it's the heart of a lion where this Colorado team is just so ferocious and so relentless and they just seemingly will not be denied. If you're Tampa, it's so boring. It's so cliche, but it's one game at a time, right? You just sit there and you go, okay, if we win game five in Colorado, we're back on home ice for game six. That is all that matters. Get it back to Amelie Arena. And who knows? Maybe, yeah. but I mean, what would you give them? A, a 10, 15% chance of doing this? Yeah, it can't be more than, I mean, the odds, the odds say it's probably nine or 10%. You know, and the, the other thing that's troubling is that this has looked like two different series uh, between Colorado and Tampa, right? So at home, the Lightning were right there and they look like mm-hmm. they're, they're totally playing with the Avalanche. Once they get on the road and they get into Ball Arena and they have that altitude to deal with, 
it might be a different game, and and it could be uh, it could be one that if Colorado comes out fast and comes out hard, they could end it quickly. So if if Tampa can weather that storm, uh, keep in mind to win this series, they got to go back to Colorado twice and play in that altitude environment. So yeah, incredibly difficult task for Tampa, and uh, you know I think I think Colorado's probably got the champagne on ice. If I could end our Stanley Cup talk with a smart ass comment, as I'm known to do, uh, John Cooper said the rules are written against you to go to three straight Stanley Cup finals. I would maybe point to the old LTIR rule in Nikita Kucherov and say, eh, are you sure they're all written against you, John Cooper? <laughs> yeah, uh, but nonetheless, uh, it was an it was an emotional lightning head coach and understandably with a heartbreaking game four loss for Tampa. We'll tee up game five tomorrow on the show for today, though. Let's switch over to a little bit of offseason talk. And yesterday we saw Paul Maurice another one of the coaching vacancies in the NHL and one that I personally thought wasn't going to be filled. I thought that was going to be Andrew Brunette's job just based on his track record, how well he did. You can see the head coaching market here. Bruce Cassidy, Pete DeBoer, Paul Maurice, John Tortorella. They've taken up four of the jobs now. You look around the NHL, there is still the Detroit Red Wings, the Winnipeg Jets, the Chicago Blackhawks, who still need head coaches. When you look at this list, Chris Gear. And you look at the teams who still need to hire someone. Is there a natural fit out there who you kind of go, I, I, I feel like this guy would really slide in nicely here. Well, everyone's everyone's waiting for where Barry Trotz is going to go. If he even coaches this year, there's some speculation that maybe he he will take the year off and, and look at it next year. But, you know, he is from Manitoba. There's There's been this lots of dialogue about him having a homecoming and, and taking that Jets roster, which is, a good roster, but an underperforming roster and seeing if he can take them to the promised land. So that's, that's one to watch. Um, you know, so many good coaches on this list, um, you know, guys that, that need a second chance, like Travis Green or Andrew Burnett, you mentioned, I mean, the guy won president's trophy. I know it was originally Quenville's team, but president's trophy and bowed out to Tampa Bay, which there's not really any shame in doing. You would have thought they'd, they'd give him some rope uh, to be the head coach there, but not to be. Um, so, you know, young coaches that need another chance. And then, you know, guys like Elaine Vigneault, who have obvious pedigree and, uh, and, and probably would do well getting another chance. So I don't know that I've seen this many good quality coaches that are out there and available. Um, they're obviously not all going to get jobs given the limited spots that are, that are out there. So could you see some of these guys taking, you know, associate head coach positions or do they prefer to wait around and see if a team gets off to a bad start and fires its coach, you know, earlier midway through the season and, and take their shot at um, getting back at it that way? It's, it's going to be really interesting. The one combination I'm intrigued in, and I think I saw a little bit of speculation on the old Twitter timeline yesterday about it. I wonder about Andrew Brunette and the Chicago Blackhawks. I saw that connection made and you kind of go, OK, a young team in Chicago who's rebuilding and, and they got some years to sort of play with here, right? And you look at Brunette, who really the only reason I guess he didn't get that Florida job is because he's not experienced. It's really not that he wasn't a good head coach. He did a fine job for them throughout the regular season and to win a playoff round. And people kind of forget that first round against Washington was a tough test. Like he had to make some maneuvers, make some adjustments, and they worked. I wonder about Brunette in Chicago. He ended his career there. He played his final season with the Hawks. You know, he's a young guy who he if if you view him as a coach who has potential, but maybe needs some experience and needs to learn some lessons. There's no better spot than Chicago to do that because there's no pressure there. Yeah, that's a good point. I mean, you wonder what what Kyle Davidson will value when he's selecting a coach. Is it someone that will grow with the team or is it someone that has that pedigree to 
you know, mold the young players in his image, so to speak. Um, so, you know, maybe he'll want somebody with more experience that can take a young team and and develop them, or maybe he's, he's happy to do, as you say, and, and have a young coach that, that can grow with the team. Uh, I, I think either one of those could be good options depending on how you see it playing out. But, but for sure, the Blackhawks are a team that, um, you know, they're, they're far away and they're going to be far away as they unload a couple more players here. Uh, if, if, that indeed happens, you know, whether it's Kane or Taves or Debrinkat, you know, so, um, yeah, I, I think, I think Burnett could be a good fit there depending on how they, Chris, how they want to shape. Them. You mentioned earlier in the show at the Cadre thing, you're a contract guy. So we're going to let you do your thing. It's like Ovi in his spot on the power play. I'm just going <laughs> to tee you up. I'm going to tee you up with the name Jesper Bratt and I'm going to let you run with it. Break down what this negotiation could look like and what Bratt could end up getting or what the situation is like for the devils here. Yeah, so Jesper Bratt's a guy, 23 years old, still very young, uh, came out of his entry-level contract and, you know, hadn't really shown too much and and signed a contract in the mid-twos. But this year was his breakout year, 76 points. Uh, You see 0.96 points per game. That's that's a really, really strong points per game. I think 26 goals. So he's going to be a guy, If looking internally at his own team, you've got Jack Hughes at eight times eight, and you've got Nico Hischer at seven times seven and a quarter. Now, both Hughes and Hisher signed their deals right out of entry level. So usually there's a bigger bet that the team is making and the AAV will typically go up for that length of term. So with Brat, I think you're probably more looking at the guys I put up there who are slightly less on the points per game and slightly higher in age, which will play into Brat's favor but all guys that were RFAs with arbitration rights. And, and that's the set of players you need to look at. So they're not going to look at the, the AAV of entry-level guys. They won't be in that arbitration comparable set. So when you look at Tara Vinen, Bjorkstrand, Buchnevich, uh, all guys that had those arb rights, um, you know, in the mid fives for a four or five year deal, that's kind of what I'm thinking for Brat. If they're willing to go long term, six or seven years, then I think the number eclipses six million. Um, but I also could see a scenario where they look at Brat and say, "You know what? Are we sure yet?" Um, I know you disagree, and I'm going to let you chime in. But there, there may be a situation where they say, "Well, let's just do a one year deal, maybe at a high four number or or low five, and just see if he can replicate this because." He's already played over 200 games in the league and normally a breakout occurs before that. And so, you know, myself, I might have a little skepticism that, that Brad is a guy you bet on long-term until you see it one more year. Um, but then obviously if you do that, that's only going to drive his price up. So if, if they're confident in, in what you see is what you get with Brad, then, you know, sure, go, go six or seven years. And uh, anyway, what, what are your thoughts? Well, I see it. And I really like the player. Every time I watch him, I kind of find myself going like, man, why are we not talking about this guy more? And he was nearly a point per game this season. He's shown he can, you know, blend in well with your skill guys. I look at New Jersey, not a lot of long-term contracts on the books, Hamilton on the blue line. And then up front it's Hughes and Heshire. I sit there and I go, if you want to be a cup contender for the next decade, look at what Boston was able to do, right? They had that perfection line locked up for what, 18, 19 million dollars. Like it was dirt cheap because they jumped on those guys, got them signed long term early on in their careers and took those risks. If you believe in Brat, I think you have to do it. I think you bring up an interesting point, though. Do they believe in yes for Brat? I mean, maybe there's a reason why this is a guy who's showing up on Frank Servali's trade targets list. 
Yeah. I mean, you, you don't know what they're thinking there. Um, maybe they just don't want to have three guys that are long-term in the books for big money and they're willing to, you know, move him on for something else. I know he's been connected to various players and trade rumors. Mm -hmm. Um, but you know, like you said, whether it's Boston or whether it's Colorado, the way they got out ahead of, you know, McKinnon and Landis Gog and, and, you know, they're obviously helping their team playing on dirt cheap contracts. Um, so if you do believe in Brat and you can get them to a six or seven year deal, that's maybe, undervalued a little bit um and you hope that he grows along with uh jack hughes and he share then you know then then you've got the makings of something special so i don't know what uh what fitzy in new jersey thinks he has in the player and it'll be interesting to see whether they make that long bet or whether they uh either do some sort of short-term deal they've still got him under control for more years um so yeah. they can they can sign him to a one-year deal and still control him which that, that's why I sort of lean toward that option as a possibility. Um, I, I'd be surprised if they trade him, quite frankly. But uh, yeah, that would be a blockbuster. It certainly would. And we'll have another blockbuster question coming up in our inbox one. But first, I can hear Chris Peters. He's chomping at the bit. He's ready to go with another edition of The Next Wave. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Always a pleasure to welcome in our friend Chris Peters for another edition of The Next Wave, delivered by DoorDash. And Chris, you had a piece up recently on Daily Faceoff breaking down sort of general needs for every team ahead of the NHL draft. And one of the debates that we always get into around this time of is, do you draft for need or do you just take the best player available at all times? If you were in a front office, if you were in charge of making these selections, take us through what your philosophy would be in terms of balancing best player available and the needs of your franchise. Yeah, well, Tyler, I think you always want to look at which player do you think is going to be the best NHL player, bar none. You're not worried if he's a left or right shot defenseman. You just want the best guy. Um, that said, 
when you're building the board, really the only team that has the pick of the entire draft is the team that drafts number one. So as you're building your board, I think that you have to be aware of the needs that you do have in your in your system and see which guys may fit better. Um, because it's not just about the best player available. It's the best player for your specific team. And that comes down to fit and philosophy and a lot of other things that, that kind of go into the process. So you know, when we say you, you can look at any of the draft boards that are public and you can say, well, they, they think this player is the best player available. Well, that, that team is going to think very differently. Um, and in fact, I think this year teams are far apart from where the public is in the, 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 the things that we've seen so far, including my own list. So, you know, that's where you start wondering, okay, well, you know, just speaking for myself, as I build my list, it's always which player do I think will be the best NHL player? I don't have team needs to fill. I don't have those different things that, that are in the way that could potentially bias me towards one player or another. It's more just, you know, how do I value those players? So, you know, but I, I think it's fair for teams to at least explore how do we address the needs in our prospect system? Let's not go out of our way to do it, but let's build our board in a way that allows us to make sure that we have some of those guys among our options to pick and then go on basically just go off our list from there. I mean, they spend so much time building that list. And Chris knows as well as anybody just being in a front office that there's so much that goes into that process that you don't want to deviate from it too much, even though, you know, you could be tweaking that thing until the night before the draft. Yeah, absolutely. I've been there. Um, so Chris, if we get you to focus now on, on some particular teams, uh, Buffalo is a team that obviously it's been, I think, 11 years since they've been in the playoffs. They've had, you know, some some good number one picks, uh, you know, Power, Eichel was number two. Uh, you know, they've, they've drafted pretty well at the top end. They've got three picks this year in the first round. What what are they looking to to add, do you think? Well, you know, I think the biggest need in their system, they don't have a ton. They've actually done a pretty nice job of continuing to build up their prospect system, you know, adding Peyton Krebs to the mix from that Jack Eichel trade really bolstered their potential center depth. When you already have Dylan cousins in the mix, they've got some really good wings in Jack Quinn and JJ Paterka that had great seasons in the AHL. They have two legitimate guys that could be the goalies of the future for the franchise, Duka Pekalukkanen and Devin Levi, but they, and then also of course they have the defenseman Owen power and Rasmus Dahlin. So those two guys are left shot defensemen, obviously. And so, why do you, you know, you look and say, okay, well, we could really afford to balance out the other side, you know, get some more right shot defense and get some guys that kind of fit that mold of a, of a, a pacey defense that can, you know, push the pace up front. And then also they, they're, they're a pretty big blue line. They can continue to build up size. So with their first pick in the draft, I don't think that that's a place where you're going to address that need. You might, and it might not even be the second pick when you have top 17 picks, top 16 picks this year. You know, you just are going to try and go off that list. I think that that they're in a really great tier to get two impact prospects with their first two first round picks. But later they pick 28th and that's where you can start taking some swings. Maybe a guy like Sam Renzel, who's a six foot three and a half for uh, a defenseman. That's a right shot guy that can make some plays. Maybe you get lucky and Ryan Chesley is still there as a, as a two way right shot guy. Maybe you take a chance on a, on a great skating defenseman that's a bit undersized than Seamus Casey. Um, you know, those are some of the different things that you can do with that last pick to potentially address the need, assuming that you, you know, kind of hit a couple of home runs with your first two picks. So I think for the, as far as the Sabres are concerned, they're still in rebuild mode. So continue to stockpile the picks, continue to get high end talent, build up that forward group more and more. You're still going to be trying to replace Jack Eichel, even though you made a pretty, a pretty good trade with Vegas. 
on that front. So just continue to find those guys. And I think at nine, they're in such a good spot to land an impact winger or impact center that could be a guy that'll, that, that probably is two to three years away still, but could make a, a significant impact on their franchise right away. Similar kind of question for me, Chris, but for the Montreal Canadiens who are sitting at the top there, number one, but have another pick later as well. I mean, we're imagining it's going to be a center in that first pick. But after that, are there some other areas that you think the Habs have to key in on or is it just making sure they lock down the center of the ice? Yeah, you know, I think really Montreal could not go wrong with any of the three top guys. We've got Shane Wright, Logan Cooley, Uri Slavkovsky. That to me is the top tier of the draft. And if you get any one of those guys, I think you're in really good shape. You know, we're all expecting that maybe they play it safe and go with Shane Wright. There's always the chance that they take a swing on the skill with Cooley. And there's also the chance they just try to get a little bit bigger up front with Slavkovsky. And there's a lot of different arguments you can make for all those. But when it comes to the the rest of the draft, I, I think continuing to address the center position, it's been something where they've had decent centers. You know, they've had Philip Deneau. They've had, um, uh, you know, other guys that, that have played in that role. And obviously Nick Suzuki is the, is the guy that you're trying to build around a little bit there and, and as well as Cole Caulfield. But, you know, I think as far as the Habs are concerned, their, their, their prospect system isn't particularly deep. It's gotten better with some of the younger guys that they've brought in and, you know, getting Suzuki in a trade, drafting Caulfield, um, you know, having Romanov, other players that are going to continue to, to develop and, and come into the system. They just need more bodies. And so I think you don't have to necessarily focus too much on one position. You make your best pick at number one, and then you just kind of see where everything else goes. You know, they have needs on defense. They have needs at, at, at forward. Um, you know, they have needs at goaltending too, but I don't think any team is going to be able to address their goaltending situation in this particular uh, phase of the draft in the first round. But later day two, that's when you start getting into it. But I think Montreal is in such a great spot. You'd love to have the number one pick no matter what. Um, it's a tough spot. There's a lot of pressure on it, but I'll be excited to see what they do with it. It'll be fascinating. We're getting real close to the draft here with the Stanley Cup final about to wrap up. Always appreciate the insight, Chris. The next wave, as always, is delivered by DoorDash. Promo codes DFODD, DFODDUS, 25% off, no delivery fees on your first order. Thanks, Chris. Thanks, guys. Thanks, Chris. Time for our daily face-off inbox question, hashtag AskDFO. And the question today, Chris, is all about blockbusters. What team do you look at around the NHL as the most likely to make a big, stunning blockbuster move this summer? Well, just before we get to that, I want to say I'm still riveted by Chris Peters having pronounced Pekalukanen because I never quite knew how to pronounce that name. So I'm thankful that he got it out there. Um, in terms of blockbusters, you know, this is a season when I think there could be several teams that uh, obviously you need two at least to get into a blockbuster. But I think there could be a couple of different blockbusters. And the one that uh, the one that intrigues me the most is is my former team. Uh, Vancouver Canucks, because there's been so much speculation around JT Miller. You know, he was one of the top 10 or 12 scorers in the NHL. He's had three years of production at at least a point a game. This is a play driver. This is an excellent player, uh, still 28 years old with a lot of prime years left. And if they do indeed move him, I think it's going to, there's going to be a, a haul in return. And so whatever team is their dance partner is giving up a lot of pieces. So it's, that's going to be really interesting to watch. Uh, if they don't move Miller, there's also a chance they move Besser. And um, that wouldn't yield 
quite the same return as as Miller, but I think it would still be a, a really big shakeup for both the Canucks and whichever team they pull the trigger with. So uh, curious to watch that. Obviously, uh, you know would have been would have been in the room on those deals, but uh, but now here evaluating them for daily faceoffs. So a different a different take and and even more curious. Who's yeah, your like, who's yeah, your uh, was great. Yeah, Vancouver's a great option just because there are so many big names on that roster. You could see them moving. I thought about saying Washington just because with Nicholas Backstrom going on LTIR, they'll have some space. They have a clear hole in their top six they'll need to fill. But I feel like they could maybe go the UFA route to, to fill that spot. I thought about Montreal because I wonder if, you know, on in your building for the draft, do you want to be the team that makes that big splash and gets the crowd going and has that moment? But my answer is actually going to be New Jersey. I would imagine they're in on a guy like Johnny Goudreau, an unrestricted free agency. But I wonder, you know, like if Goudreau goes back to Calgary, will the devil sit there and go, no, we need to show our fan base and the league that we're serious about contending this year. And could they go the trade route, try to make a big splash? I look at a guy like Kevin Fiala and go, oh man, wouldn't he just be a great fit alongside Nico Heischer there? Like, I think, I think the devils might be a team to watch, Chris. I, I could totally see Fiala being part of a blockbuster. Minnesota is going to have a really difficult time trying to re-sign him just with the, the cap hits that they've got coming for Suter and Parise. So, yeah, I, I think I think if Fiala moves, this guy is a, a budding superstar and, um, you know, a, a lot like Miller in that he'll fetch a lot of pieces in return. And so that's a, that's an interesting one. I think you, think you got uh, a bullseye on that one. Let's move on to our daily bet segment, courtesy of our friends at Points Bet Canada. Went two for three yesterday. We got the Ranton assist. We got the Sorelli point early as well. So it was a sweat-free two for three night on the betting front. Uh, let's dig into what the books are saying. Now, we talked about the chances of Tampa Bay coming back in this series. Well, the Lightning are now plus 750 to win the Stanley Cup. I mean, that's getting close to the odds they had back at the start of the playoffs when I think they were about plus 900, plus 950. The implied odds of plus 750, that is about 11.5% chance that the books are given the lightning of coming back in this series. But if you're interested in betting on it, a $100 bet on this would pay out about $850. It would pay out $850. They're plus 150 to win the next game, which means a $100 bet on them just to win game five would pay out $250, would give you $250. You could just do that, roll it over. I did the math. If they win the series in seven, based on what we've seen from the odds so far in this Stanley Cup final, a $100 bet rolled over three times with them being favorites on home ice and underdogs on the road would probably get you north of a thousand bucks. So as you know, if you believe in the lightning, I certainly don't, even though I wagered on them earlier in the series. If you do believe in the lightning, ignore the plus 750, just roll over the money for three games. It's a much better strategy. Also, I'll dig into the cons, my thoughts tomorrow, but I did take a peek. Kale McCarr now all the way up. At minus 500, the runaway favorite. It's not even close for Kale McCarr to be the Conn Smythe winner if Colorado wins this thing in five games, Chris. Uh, it'll be interesting to see how things play out this weekend with the Stanley Cup in the building. Let's wrap up, though, with a little bit of garbage time. What do you got for me? Yeah, so as you know, Tyler, even though I, I love being uh, part of the show uh, once a week here with you or Frank, uh, the biggest part of what I do at Daily Faceoff is I contribute articles that try to give uh, an, an inside front office view of, of the inner workings. Uh, so earlier this week, I had a story on how teams try to get out of the so-called bad money deals, whether it's uh, buyouts or attaching attaching assets through trade or 
waivers or other other means. And then uh, just today, a story about how teams go after uh, free agents when money's not an issue. So those those rare breed of players that are still on an entry level contract where every team's in the same boat and the maximum they can give. What are the things that uh, that will be part of that courtship process? And uh, I'm calling it my five O's. And uh, I'm not going to tell you what those five O's are. You got to go to the website and read the article. I love it. I love a good little tease to end our show here. That's going to do it for the June 23rd edition of the Daily Faceoff Show for Chris Gear, our technical producer, Alex Allard. We'll be back tomorrow, same time, noon Eastern. Tune in then. And until then, why don't you go read that new piece that's coming up on dailyfaceoff.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special coming your way this playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge. And let me tell you, it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal. Every playoff game day, you're going to be faced with four questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle. And here's a sneak peek into some of those questions we'll be firing your way. First up, you got to pick the winning team. That sounds simple, right? But there's more. You got to decide if the total amount of goals in the game will be over or under a certain amount. And that's where the real strategy starts to kick in. Next up, you're picking who's going to find the back of the net first. And you're going to want to be careful because that's one that could be cooked early on in the game. And finally, you got to predict which period is going to be the highest scoring. Will it be a barn burner in the first, a shootout in the second, or a nail biter in the third? That's up to you to decide. Now let's talk about prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? For the daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards to treat yourself to some fresh nation gear, and you might even win a jersey from your favorite team. And for the big dogs, those who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge. Play now at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess.